speaks. In fact, they are sounds that seem to come from the depths of hell itself. To Be Continued is an adult podcast for adults by adults. We may talk about superheroes, sci-fi, comic books, and all sorts of similar crap like that, but we may use adult and frank language when we do so. This is not a podcast for kids, brothers and sisters. Enjoy. Welcome back, everyone. This is To Be Continued, a fanboy podcast covering your fanboy passions. You're not going to learn anything, but if you stick around, you just might have some fun. And as always, we are here in the lovely Pancake Studios, and I am joined, as always, by... Thank you. Edward Ng here, and um, also with... Jonathan Vergara. That's me. <laughs> uh, school's out, buddies. Um, at least in certain parts of the states here in the, here in the East Coast. My mom was asking about that the other day. She said, "Was Clark out of school yet?" Oh uh, no, no. Here know. in the East Coast, well, here in here in, in New York, uh, kids don't finish school until next week. Meanwhile, places like Indiana, they've been out of school for like I don't know two weeks. And that's why their IQ on average is. Down. Uh, oh, I was going to. Uh, don't don't. I, do I was why? going to. Uh, to we avoid need that. listeners no, from I'm everywhere. I'm kidding. Indiana. <laughs> we love you. We love all the states. Except, I love, I love Indiana. You, I love, I love. Except I, for you, Alabama. You fucking know why. <laughs> you fucking know Alabama, why. Alabama, what a Florida. great country. <laughs> I love these places. <laughs> Guys, we're country. all going to have to start putting money in the politics jar if we continue down this road. Okay, so we have returned after our last episode, which is our Game of Thrones <laughs> uh, review for the for season. The and, series. <laughs> and we will be uh, covering today a wide variety of topics. Yeah, we're all, it's, it's all spread out. Yeah, but not really, because here's the truth. Okay, on today's episode, we will be covering Dark Phoenix. We will be covering Godzilla, King of the Monsters. And we will be covering Amazon's Good Omens. But the truth is, we are going to blast through those like shot through a goose because we need to talk about something, dear front, listeners. Front row. We need to talk about Jonathan Frakes. And we will get to Jonathan Frakes. That's going to be the uh, meat of our show. I have a title for this episode. And the title is? Is The Ups and Downside of Fanboydom Consumption. Because <laughs> okay, here's here's what I'm getting at. You know, here at TBC, we have we have yeah, we have our things that we do, our day jobs, and what we have to do. And then on TBC, we have to consume what's what's in the media, right? You yeah. know, sometimes it's bad, sometimes it's good. Okay. And let's just say we're not eating eating our veggies. Okay. We are not eating our fanboy veggies. You know, because well, if they're, as the, we the veggies into, have to be what's a, what is or is not available. It's what they're serving to us. That's an, that's another part of it. You know, because as we're getting into like, you know, we're t Dark Phoenix, Godzilla, okay. which which uh, yes, we're going to give our reviews, but at the same time at the same time, you know, there's sometimes uh the disappointment sauce is uh Okay, yeah, I wasn't getting into that. I was talking I said we're going to be talking You just want to get to Jonathan Frakes. I just want to get to Jonathan Frakes. <laughs> And you see, that is the only reason we're even yeah. honestly here today. We could have let all those other things slide the because the truth is, me and Ed were actually very were we are very um, mixed on the on the on the reception of those uh, those three projects. And good omens, 
Like I said, those three, mm-hmm. yeah, those three but, projects. But you, you do have to make good on your promises from previous episodes where you guys are like, we will be here, we will be reviewing <laughs> Dark Phoenix, and we will don't, be doing Godzilla. Uh, John, John, I don't want to remind people that I make claims of integrity. <laughs> that's, that's not good. That's not. That's yeah. and, well, look, and look, look, look. No, that's the date. By forward. the way, you were looking forward to. Yes, it. I was. You but didn't, you didn't necessarily say it was going to be awesome. Right. And, and also, yeah. in a way, that never make claims of integrity. That's also my dating advice that's to all the men out an there. Integrity move. Right don't there. <laughs> don't make behind <laughs> claims towards your integrity because you may not be year, able to back them up. The beginning of the year when I when 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 we plan out these things, Captain Schedule over here. Yeah. Well, we have to. Go, we have to heed by. Um, uh, we have by, to adhere to fanboy law. <laughs> <laughs> and we go. Okay, we look at. We look at. Stuff We're not animals. <laughs> We're not animals. Order. You know, um, discovery. You know, Endgame. Yeah. You know, uh, when when we found out that April uh, was Endgame month, we were like, oh my god, this is going to kill us. And then now we're like, and it did. We're right? going for the long stretch, and we're like, we're dead now. From here on till from beyond the grave. From here on till Rise of Skywalker, it seems as if it's like, okay, we got a, we got things here and there. Jonathan Frakes is nowhere on that radar. We told you, but things do come up. But much, that. much like the Sasquatch, <laughs> or the Loch Ness monster, we or the Mothman. <laughs> we told you a story about a podcast. <laughs> long ago <laughs> no <laughs> was this did this happen <laughs> was this an actual podcast did this event occur we're sorry no that was this, fiction this was fiction that was a created writer. you know created what John by the writers <laughs> if we okay well, maybe we could do this in post right you know like well, like I can slick your hair back we can like clean up the, uh, the, the, the oh Ed I want you didn't mention how I didn't shave today for this I specifically sh- shaped up the bottom and the sides just so that they- we could have a slight Frakesism happening in studio. So, so as we finish up this episode, that sounds wrong. As soon as we walk out, Miguel Velez is gonna tear the the side his 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 mutton chop sides. Uh, um, it's going to be Alejandro Velez. Yes. Uh, by the way, for <laughs> the those clone. of you who have no idea what we're <laughs> the referring transporter to, clone version of Miguel. That is that is a reference to a Deep Space Nine. Um, no, episode. not just Deep Space Nine. Remember, it starts in next yeah, but gen. It starts in next the, gen because Thomas Riker. Yes, but the ripping yes, of the, the Velcro chops, side mutton chops. Yes, is DS9. That's from Deep when Space Nine. When he steals Nine. the Defiant. Now we're going really into the deep cut. We'll get into deep cuts of, of Star we Trek. I'm sure. Need to do a, a Jonathan Frank show. Like we're doing. Factors. What do you think this is? What do you think this is? Trust <laughs> yeah. me, John. We're gonna talk about Franks as we go on and why we're bringing him up and everything here. Uh, but first off on the docket are the films that we, the films and the, and, uh, the Amazon TV show that we have to talk about. So uh, right off the bat, uh, yes, we're getting to these things on a little late side, but the reaction to them hasn't been great. So who cares? So we just want to talk about, and that's never what I've considered the show to be about. I don't think it's necessarily about not being on the pulse. It's about having a conversation, good, bad, or indifferent about it. So as a conversation starter, let us talk about the last, it seems, of the official on-screen X-Men. Yes, New Mutants still has yet to be released uh, under the Fox banner, but this is the movie, even though it's only called Dark Phoenix, notice it wasn't called X-Men Dark Phoenix, it was just called Dark Phoenix, that will feature the X-Men proper 
uh, in on the big screen, at least until Marvel Studios in many years' time gets around to reintroducing them to the public. Now, John, did you or did you not see this? No. You didn't see it. Sorry. Okay. Uh, I do. Part of me wants to see it, though, but now I'm going to be less reluctant knowing uh, we'll, the consensus. We'll, we'll let I don't know what your consensus well, well, is. Did you see the last one? Uh, or the even one the before, before this? Uh, Apocalypse, right? Apocalypse. Yeah, yeah, I saw Apocalypse now. And how did you feel about that? I remember you saying it was cheesy. You thought it was cheesy. It did look a little Power rangey, but it was cool. And what about Days of Future Past? Did you... Yeah, 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 I saw... My favorite one was Logan of the recent right. X-Men. And now, now that being said, now we've said but on the show before... That kicks off the, the young X-Men, right? That Logan kind of kicks off the new X-Men, right? No, mm-hmm. no, no. It's a whole... running away and... and they're not... Kids. No, it's, it'll read oh, its own sorry. alternate thing. But, but here... It was, it was the... Uh, it was Apocalypse. That's yeah. when you brought in all the new cast members, the, the new... Um, the new Cyclops, the new Jean Grey. But we've you know. we've established, well, you've established on the show that you grew up with the cartoons, right? And that was a that's a, the nineties, yeah. Right, and that's a that's a part of that's a big Did part of your life, right? You. For you, me. that's X Men. For guys like like us, it's you know a lot some of the classicest, not the Golden Age stuff, but some of the more classic um, Chris Claremont stuff. We think of pre Jim Lee. Pre Jim Lee, correct. We think we honestly uh, Claremont classic. Yeah, we think of that as so. And the Dark Phoenix story, which had been attempted to be adapted previously in X Three, X Men Three, The Last Mm -hmm. Stand, uh, is what this story is. You know, trying to adapt, or even going back to the very first. um, Is it? Wait, is it the beginning? Jean Grey dies in X Two. X Two. Okay. 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 So here we have this new version. the previous film had been directed by Brian Singer, who was the original director of the first X-Men. Mm. Uh, Simon Kinberg is being brought in to uh, write and direct this second one. Now, I'm going to tell you right off the bat that um, the sort of cons- fanboy consensus that I've been able to glean online is not at all what my cons- what my, my thoughts on the film are. But that doesn't mean that what I'm saying is is some sort of ringing endorsement of it either. Online, they are tearing this film to shreds. Oh, it's the worst. It's horrible. It's the worst thing ever. Mm. The, as I always say, and I hate having to say this, and I hate having to repeat it. But they said the same thing about Batman versus Superman. That's the sort of the sort of and it was a over the than what, the yeah. over the top fanboy hyperbolic nonsense. Yeah. That, however, doesn't make this into some sort of un. Um, unloved, you know, cult classic. It's going to turn out to be someday. That this is, it's, it's not being uh, lauded for the genius that is there. There's not that much there. It's essentially not bad, but it is very bland. Nothing in the film is necessarily terrible, but it reaches. It doesn't sing. It reaches no highs either. Ed, uh, your well, look, general look, look. your general take on the movie because it's bland, right? Yes, it's bad for me. Mm-hmm. You know, like um, like a lot of the lines that Jessica Chastain, who is a phenomenal actress, right? Um, Zero Dark Thirty. Good. A lot of the and you know, again, this is a, this is a spoiler review, right? So she's um, uh, taken over by an alien, and and by the way, they they were prior to that. Being conceived, there were there were conceptions of her being Eliandra, uh, uh, Lilandra, uh, yes, Leandra, right, there, you know? there, there were which would or... have been, you know, and we're going to get to like yes, but yeah, your but, your general conception, the general though. conception was like I, 
a I dislike the X aside from Logan. I dislike the X movies to, um, altogether, and this was just one of the nails in the coffin for me. Mm. Um, a lot of what I saw was just unlikable. Um, not for lack of um, um, the performances, you know. Um, yeah, that's the Sophie odd, Turner. That, that's the I odd think thing about makes it. a pretty good gene. No play. one is terrible in this film. No one does a bad performance, even except for J Law. She's phoned <laughs> in, but even it's not bad. It's not laughable or horrible. Not to go on a tangent here, but is this the last official Fox before it got yep. bought? It like, will be again. They have one other film that's still in the can, which is New but, Mutants, but which is before the takeover of Disney. Yes, okay. yeah. And that they still have to decide whether or not I think it seems whether or not New Mutants is even going to get released. I, I feel it probably will, but those characters, while they are based on X-Men characters, characters from the X-Men comics, the New Mutants have always been the junior team of the X-Men. In this continuity, this film will be the last X-Men yeah. and, and, and about And about that, by the way, the scheduling for both these films, Dark Phoenix and New Mutants, they've... I don't know how many times they've 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 changed. Well, I'll, the I'm going to get to that when I, when I talk um, a little right, more. But you're so. But I'm I'm going to go forward with this thought. I think once the new production's done under Disney, I think you're going to have a much different feeling. Excellent. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're sure. going to we're going to yeah, talk yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah, we're going to yeah. talk about that. So, so well, yeah, now the your performances, your performances, they they look. look James McAvoy is as uh, as as Professor X. Fassbender is Magneto. Um. Uh. Holt. Nicholas Holt, I has never been a great. Hank He's never been good for you as Henry McCoy yeah. as the Beast. But does that mean he was giving a bad performance? No, no, um, no just not. Sophie what you Turner, want. Ty Sheridan, Sophie, Ty, Ty Sheridan. By the way, you know, and, and we we've gone to this whole conversation about Cyclops, who if you grew up um, in the eighties reading the Chris Claremont stuff, and uh, for me, Cyclops was um, a very light, not just a likable guy, but he was just one of my main. A superheroes that I really that I really loved as a character, and then the '90s roll in and the 2000s roll in. He just keeps in, taking just it on keeps the chin, taking it on the chin, and then especially and in the films. Yes, yeah, the and films he, are and a big eventually part of it. it's like you know what Wolverine says. Well, how do you, how do I know it's you? You're a dick, right? Well, I mean, it's and that is that, I don't know if that, that turns very into, meta. It might be meta, but it's also just a simple fact that you know you go back to X three mm -hmm. and it's like. Hell, you can go back to X2. I don't know if I saw X2 with you in the theater. I don't know if it was you, but I do remember seeing it in the theater with a friend. Mm -hmm. And when the finale comes, when they're going to the Alkali base, and Gene faces off against a mind-controlled Cyclops, I remember leaning over to whoever I was watching it with going... Oh yeah, Cyclops is in this because he disappears from the screen for like two thirds of that film, and then of course he's unceremoniously mm -hmm. killed uh, in X three, mm -hmm. only to reappear in Days of Future Past right. at the end. Going, but that's not for lack of again a good character, and we or like, or that or that the performer Marsden mm -hmm. and in this case Ty yeah. Sheridan are doing bad things with yeah. them. And you continue going down the list of the people who are in this film. None of them give bad performances. And this I kid who plays Nightcrawler uh, sounds Cody great, looks great. Um, I know you fan there are fans out there who love this version of Quicksilver. Okay. Yeah. Uh, again, Jessica Chastain um, as Vuk. 
Okay, okay. Regardless, but I'm saying even in terms of those characters as they're presented in the movie, mm-hmm. they don't do bad work. The no. dialogue is not bad. There are ideas. No, there in are this there film. are there are bad dialogue. I I wouldn't, are, I wouldn't I wouldn't are, go so far as to say it's bad. I say it's some, all very. It's some. just nothing is laughable, horrible. Mm. It's just flat. Yeah. See, and I think that's the the thing. You are like, well, because it's not grabbing me and it's not super engaging. You're going, it's bad. My opinion is, it's like. It's well, flat because, and unengaging. Because, it's not horrible. Because and you know, even though we we do rip we do rip on the X stuff a lot, um, but I have to say, like X Men was one of those things that I read regularly. You know, right. I was a I was a, I was a huge fan as a kid, and at some point Marvel decided, yeah, we're going to make everything mutants. You know, um, but again, yeah, back to the movie, um, because this is a take on the Chris Claremont right run. And you, you go, would hope it would be better. Yeah, you would hope you know. that it would be. And I, I feel, I feel very much in, in saying that while none of it is terrible, it doesn't gel into anything particularly mm-hmm. interesting either. It's not some sort of sin against cinema, but like but there's some really great, great things. Well, there are good ideas in it. There's the idea, you know, like hey, let's call out Charles Xavier for some of his arrogance and his mm-hmm. manipulation. It's brought up. Yeah. But nothing is done with it. Mm. Let's talk about, you know, uh, Nicholas Holt's beast. And okay, so now his character is willing to, is turning against Charles and is willing to contemplate murder. Let's get into what that sorrow means to him. Doesn't go anywhere. Um, I think fight, that, but- I think that there's a meta, a non, it isn't meant to be this way, but there is a meta line of Magneto in the movie. Where he, when, when, during the first, uh, the first sort of big battle sequence, uh, the second big battle sequence, when they're in New York and they're going to, uh, Beast and Magneto and his people are going to kill mm-hmm. Jean Grey. Mm-hmm. And Xavier shows up and what does he say to Xavier? He says, he says, you know, there's always a speech, Charles, and no one cares. That's kind of what the movie kind of get, kind of going like I don't I don't care about anything that's particularly happening. Um, stuff like Ty Sheridan Cyclops, where it's like, oh, we're gonna get into he'll do anything for Gene, mm. but outside of him using his optic blasts in an action sequence, we don't get a sense of their connection. Right. Again, that doesn't mean it that those things were horribly done. It just doesn't come together. You don't feel anything. And this goes into a reason why I think that is. And I believe that this film was originally supposed to be a two-parter. And that it had a very different story, a very different the Shi'ar Empire. That they, yes, they were going to have the Shi'ar. That might have even been how they got Chastain on board. Listen, Chastain it was, was, she was built for this role, you know, if any. And I, and uh, was it the fact that, um, that they sold her on that? That she was sold. It on was supposed to be a much meatier role, much whether it was Lilandra or some scroll queen or whatever. Mm. It was a it was a bigger thing than what it turned like, out. Because when be. she was cast, and I'm like, oh wow, I think I know where this is going. Right. <laughs> and, <laughs> excuse me, but we don't get that in the end product at all. Yeah, and it it feels like a film that, unfortunately, as as this seems to be the case with a lot of studios, had its knees cut off from under it because. A two-parter would have allowed you to expand all of these ideas, yeah. had more, you know, and also when you have to rejigger something on the fly, that doesn't help from, with 
from what I can tell, like I haven't seen the movie, but from the way you're describing it, it sounds like they introduce a lot of great ideas, but they can't get into it. And it, very there's, no, there's no payoff. Yes, with a the, lot with of the, rushingness. Yeah. So is that an is that an issue though that it was caught uh, in in some sort of weird commercial culture cultural transition thing? You know, it where... possibly could have been that. I, I however, I still don't see how you couldn't stick to your guns if you were Fox and say, okay, fine, we're okay. So because the conception got... of 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 this film, what um, the the Marvel deal wasn't even in uh, in in. In, I think they were in the talks. Time. They were in talks. It was like it lunch, had not yet occurred. But even with that, I mean, there's also an issue I think with the inherency of the story. One of the big problems with Dark Phoenix, in the popular imagination, I think, is that everyone just remembers Dark Phoenix. But everyone, yeah. everyone forgets that there is a part where she is powerful and she's a force for good, and everything's working out okay. You need to have that as part of the story to get the tragedy of, oh, she's gone crazy now. And I, and I remember even the cartoon, uh, that saga was a long saga. Like, yeah, they covered right. many episodes. You hey, had to have you remember a lot that of from episodes. Cartoon. Yeah. Can you imagine what comic book readers like yeah. us, like that was, it's been... That, that arc was a long. huge It was years thing. of stuff. Yeah, and yeah. Even, even to then, like um, one of the last um, Phoenix things that I read was... Um, X-Men versus uh, Avengers. Right. Right. Which I loved, which makes me wonder whether this will ever be brought into the MCU because I do, I would love to see that. But at the same time, well, let's, let's, uh, that I, really is beating a dead let's horse. Get, let's get, let's get to the, the, the postmortem, uh, yeah. get past yeah. the postmortem mm -hmm. of Dark Phoenix and talk about that. Mm -hmm. I do think that it does seem that they're going to give these X-Men characters a bit of a rest before they reintroduce them into the Marvel Universe, uh, the MCU proper. And I do think that having gone to that well of Phoenix on the big screen already, I for sure, if they ever touch it, it won't be for a long time. And I'm happy about that because you know my, my, my what's my take on Jean Grey in general, whether in live action cartoons or comics, what does Miguel think of, of Jean Grey? You think that she's just... She's the Jeez. dullest thing there, ever. There's an hysterical uh, YouTube video of like uh, Jean Grey being s utterly useless. Like <laughs> super. Like she's brought up as a super powerful character, mm -hmm. but in every situation, she's always been like. Oh, yeah, oh in the in the X Men cartoon, she's always getting knocked out or a psychic backlash. In other words, or ah! in, in other words, Miguel, like she's not Kitty Pryde. She's not Emma. She's not. She's very ill defined. Yeah. I don't think anyone can tell me anything Kitty about Pride, her by the way, from a, outside from a of some kind of vagaries of, oh, she's the nurturer of the mm. group. Well, that how, tells me nothing. How come, I don't know if this is like this in the movie or the comic books, but certainly on the cartoon, why is it that she seems like the most powerful character who always ends up being useless? You'll look. She, like supposedly with she's that like one super, character, super, super With powerful. that one character, and, and John, yeah. John, just so you know, with that one character, Jean Grey, They've spawned future versions, alternate versions of her, right? Her daughter, Rachel, Rachel Summers, Summers, and you're like Phoenix this is, of the White this Crown. This is what you do. This and that's symptomatic of what you just said. It's like you know, a Jean Grey, a dull character, very powerful. You got to do something with her. Yeah, you know. But, but we, outside of making her a, threat, you killed her off, by the way. All right, and or then bring these, her back or later. Putting on. her in these that was, weird crazy love triangle nonsense things and all the, you know, the amateur soap operatics. Yeah. You kind of feel bad for Logan. 
<laughs> I'm not. Gene. I'm not. I'm not. Um, but I feel that I hope that what they do is uh, going forward. And I've asked you, it's like pulling teeth to get the answer out How of you sometimes. But what I've asked, um, what is the, um, what do you want to see in terms of the, the, the Marvel version of the X-Men? And my answer would be whether you race bend some of those characters or not, which I do think is in the, is in the mix. I think that you go with the original five. I have an answer you, now. You, okay. Oh, you have an answer. Well, let me finish. Right, I think right. what you do is you go with the original five, you race bend a few mm. of them. I think Scott Summers could be something like yes. Eskimo, yes, Native we had a American. Yes, about that. Uh, right. I, I think that some of them, you don't necessarily, I think Hank McCoy or any of them, Bobby Drake, you could, you could race bend them. There's a lot of good drama that you can draw out from Scott Summers because um, he, what, he, he doesn't start out as a douchebag character he's a very heroic character but then ends up being a very tragic one because in, in the, the com comics in the comic yeah. books he kills um, professor x just like so you know he becomes you know there's a section a portion where he's much more militant mm -hmm. and i think that you can do something with those characters first off is actually develop the relationship between xavier and his students mm -hmm. which we didn't really ever see in the x there was never a sequence of here is xavier giving moral instruction to these kids uh, I think you can develop the Gene and Scott relationship, and I think you keep Wolverine the hell away from them as long as possible so that he doesn't suck away the oxygen in the room. Yeah. So have Wolverine. Have Wolverine solo movies before he joins the X-Men, but don't have him as in the mix until maybe the second or third film, if that. Okay, so this is what, I, what I'd like and to see. And what you would do, right. sir. And um, first off is fluidity. Fluidity of these characters, which Meaning. is why and I brought up um, uh, one of the things, and as a comic book reader that 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 we love the recent, which is X Men versus Avengers or Avengers versus X Men, where one of my favorite characters of all time, comic book characters, is Hank Hank McCoy, and it wasn't Hank McCoy of the X Men; it was Hank McCoy of the Avengers. And people don't a lot of a lot of uh, younger kids, you younger kids, don't really realize that that. There's a whole run of um, Silver Age, you know, in the 80s where, where Hank McCoy... Bronze Age, late Bronze, Bronze Age, Age yeah. you know, where, where him and Wonder Man, Scott Williams, those those are really, that's some really great read, uh, reads, you know. You just want to bring the, the red safari jacket back. Yeah, and I know you want to see it too. I know you want to see it too. <laughs> I, would, but, I would adore seeing a live action. But can you imagine that... Um, an MCU where we get to see that, where we get to see the banters because, and this is where, where Nick So what do you, what do you mean by, okay, but what fluidity, do you mean by fluidity? Where they're able to move around the MCU and it's not just about X stuff, right? Because okay. the X stuff is very, at this point, it's, it's really beating a dead horse. The of, over, the over, the, the over soap opera. Yeah. You know, it's like, the, you know, the past, future, future, past, to all echo nonsense. Magneto, there's always a speech. Yeah. Who yeah. Cares? No, who cares anymore? Who right. Cares, I hear right? you. I hear you. Secondly, Back to um, back to Cyclops. What do I want to see about uh, see with Cyclops? Um, one of the joys I've had um, in my childhood was reading the you know the indexes of, of these characters and reading Cyclops's um, um, his fictional biography, his background. What is he really in um, in the Marvel universe? He's the Captain America of of, of mutants. mutants. Yeah, that's what he should be. And he ends up being, and it's unfortunate, but I do like the fact that he's turned out to be quite a tragic character. I want to see that. I want to see that. And you can do that with any, some of the other characters as well. Kitty Pride is another thing that, that I'd love to see them. Tackle um, that. 
um, tackle that and capitalize on. Um, I've I've tried to sell this on you when we first met. Spider Man and his amazing friends. <laughs> you want to see Iceman and Firestar with I, Tom Holland? If that happens, Miguel. I'll eat a shoe. You will eat a shoe, and you will bow down to my to my to my uh, precog cog. I'm not saying that I wouldn't I wouldn't like John. It. This is what I said to him when we sort of first became friends. I said, "Can you imagine, Miguel?" That we're gonna see, and uh, this is an '80s cartoon, Spider-Man and his amazing friends with Iceman and Firestar, <laughs> both mutants, by the way. Firestar, which was created for the cartoons, which became became Who pretty got popular. retroactively put into the comics, right? Oh, nice. And I said, "Can you imagine, Miguel? This summer, go for it. Go for it. Was was your battle cry? That was their battle cry. Go for it. And I said, and if that happens." You will bow before my precognition. I will. My, my I will bow powers. before your precognition ability. If that, if they, if Kevin Feige wakes up in a tither one but day, that's what, says, but that's what I mean by fluidity. Is like there's like seeing some, seeing around. them sort of peppered throughout, which what might be a good way to bring them into the fold because mm-hmm. the the X Men are their own thing almost, right? As big as the Avengers, and how did they introduce the Avengers? They. Gave them solo films and piecemeal, built up to them, and then right. did the piecemeal. Now, could that be a way you get the X Men in there, where you, you, you do? Uh, I don't know. Let's say there's some hint of Logan in the Black Widow film. Probably not, but I'm just saying as mm-hmm. an example. If you do something like that, uh, though, I do think that we're a ways away from that because I think they're going to tackle the Fantastic Four before we get to uh, the X Men, and I think that is the way to go because I think you need. The general audience needs a little bit of a breather from these Fox films mm. to then build up that anticipation. And I think well, they'll get Fantastic Four first after these next about five years of of, of films that we're getting do you, from. Do you think we're going to get an MCU where mutant hood is, is, is going to be established? Just like in the comic books at some point. I think, I, I, you know what, there's, there's always... no longer miracles anymore, you know? There's always been that tension, even in regular Marvel comic books, where some fans have always said... This doesn't make sense. Why is there bigotry against the mutants and yet the Avengers and other characters are celebrated? And I always said, that's how bigotry works. It's not rational. <laughs> it is yeah. not, there is not supposed to be this sort of thing like saying like, like, well, why, why is it that the Fantastic Four are okay and celebrated, but the X-Men are looked at? It's because bigotry, racism isn't rational. It doesn't make any sense. Um, the only thing that is somewhat rational about people's fear of mutants is that, yes, mutants are powerful and they can do things that other people can't. And there are way, way more of them. Just not that they're all of them are superheroes or supervillains, but just as Which in is the general why... population, we're talking about hundreds, possibly thousands that in any given place that... You don't, bullets can't stop some of them. Their, their stray thoughts can atomize whole neighborhoods. And there is a certain rationality, but it, in terms of why isn't that applied to the Avengers or the Fantastic Four or other characters, it's because it's not, it's because it is stoked. It's a, it's a metaphor of racism and, you know, people, you know, trying to put blame and use fear to manipulate the public for their own ends, yada, yada, yada. I think that's something to be said about um, you know the this you know the transition from the golden age stuff into the silver age the, the Chris Claremont silver age stuff right um, the golden age having that Stanley you know everyone's white the original five <laughs> right yeah right 
And you go, okay, what's what's so bad? I mean, aside from Hank McCoy having really big feet, what's so um, alienating about that? You know, I mean, but then you go into the Chris Claremont stuff where Wolverine gets introduced. You have Nightcrawler. My God, Nightcrawler is perhaps... Yeah, this tragic character. He's one of my favorites. From yeah, I'm not the, into that, but you want to talk about racism. Yeah. You yes. look at him and you go... His initial his initial introduction is literally uh, someone, he's a lynching. Mm-hmm. There's a lynching that's going to happen to him and Xavier comes in and stops it. Right. Uh, th- yeah, you know, I mean, I, I hope <clears> that they do... That's so baked into the X-Men, the, 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 the social commentary stuff that I... I yeah. Would hope that they don't put that in the back end because let's not pretend the Fox films did touch on that. It has been part of that, but um, I don't think we have anything more to say about Dark Phoenix. Um, They're the future, Charles. <laughs> not them. Mm-hmm. Not them. <laughs> um, we uh, uh, and the past. We will go into our next project, <laughs> which was uh, the uh, Warner Brothers uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters, uh, which had come out now. <clears throat> I was a big booster of this film uh, leading up to it because I really wanted to see him. Um, um, I cannot pretend to be the Godzilla expert, but Godzilla was a very big part of my gotcha. childhood. And now you get to eat craw. <laughs> craw? Craw? Craw. 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 That's what you said. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, but no, um, I, I'm not going to pretend to be a gigantic uh, a Godzilla fan. Shout out to Roose Bolton of the superhero hype. Uh, who is my uh, uh, new spirit? My my, my Godzilla, <laughs> my, my my Godzilla sensei, if you will. Um, but I'm not going to pretend that the post sort of 70s film, basically the, what they call the Heisei era uh, Godzilla films, uh, post 1984, were my jam. I watched them out of a sense of that nostalgia I had from the films I I liked when I was yeah. a kid. Um, I can't say they ever blew up my skirt and you have the Millennium series and on and on, the Godzilla 1998. Uh, finally, Warner Brothers uh, got the rights uh, to Godzilla again and uh, uh, to make an America Godzilla again. We had the 2014 version, which was directed by Gary M- Mentally, by the way, you're wearing a dunce cap in my in my head right now. Uh, okay, anywho. Huh? I'll uh, tell you why. Why, yes. Because uh, when this was all like scheduled in, I'm going to watch, and this is with your, you know, with your booming voice, your, your, you know, trepidatious booming voice. No, we are going to do Godzilla, Godzilla King of the Monsters. Monsters. <laughs> and you were, t- you were addressing that to me. This is like, kaiju fan. this is like, this is like prime minister's question time over there. <laughs> I, uh, good sir, did you or did you not say? <laughs> Godzilla, King of the Monsters. We're would in be... Parliament right now. I'm on the other side of uh, of of the. Uh, now, Prime Minister made speak a grave of, mistake. Speak of Agara. <laughs> we have on the other side a fraud. <laughs> this yeah, man yeah, yeah. does not know kaiju, <laughs> and it's very convenient. <laughs> Prime Minister is best friends with the treasurer. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I can, no, but I was very excited mm-hmm. um i did not hate the 2014 uh gareth edwards film but i, I totally hate, understand I why someone would not it has a lot of issues and i had hoped that after kong skull island that those issues for godzilla had kind of which, been solved which i loved 
Kong Skull Island. Right, yeah, and and there, I do think that's... Nick Fury's in it, right? (laughs) (laughs) More more because John C. Riley is in it, I think. Well, the whole entire Marvel uh, uh, MCU is in that, if you think about it. It's got Marvel, it's got Fury, it's got Loki. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 an MCU all-star cast. Um, But I had thought that what they had done in Skull Island would portend what this film would be. And I do think there is a lot of stuff that they learned on Skull Island, which was applied here there is a big glaring issue that does bring the film down. Now, I am still pretty positive about this film, but I can't deny that it has this one huge, gigantic flaw in it. And I'm going to tell you, uh, uh, give you my take after. Uh, so, Ed, you, I got you to watch it. You watched it. You're, you were not at all positive uh, uh, on this film. There, uh, I would say... A little over the top negative on it. One of the first things I I told you. Hold on, hold on. I think we all forgot something here. Sorry to cut you off, but um, you'll tell us your reviews right after this break. Ed, you know, uh, we were over your place the other day and uh, you were having some work done down there in the basement, right? Yeah, so I've got a basement. I I know it's really unbelievable here in Brooklyn, but uh, I've got a basement uh, and my wife has an office downstairs. But our, we had our bathroom basement done, and um, Anna Maria Stanimir Grumo, a friend of the podcast, who lives out in France, she consulted and she says, hey, let me design your, your basement bathroom. And that's exactly what she did. She did everything um, via email, via FaceTime. Did the renderings like, and everything, right? The renderings and everything, a completely beautiful I took the renderings and uh, hired a contractor, and they are currently putting the, as we're speaking, putting the finishing touches on my basing. And it looks fantastic. It looks great. Servicing clients domestic international, a master is here to help you through your different phases to transform your space into a reflection of you. Go to masterdesign.com. That is a master spelled A-M-A-S-T-A design. <sighs> Oh, what's the matter, Miguel? Uh, I feel fat, Ed. I feel the same way, too. Oh, you too, John? Yeah. You guys, you both you guys need to get in shape. And a way to go about this is by going with JP Total Fitness. JP Total Fitness? What's that? Uh, our pal, Jonathan Padilla, a friend of the show, uh, runs a Brooklyn-based personal training and remote coaching service committed to leading you becoming stronger and faster. Go to jptolafitness.com. All right. <coughs> and those were words from friends. Now we're, before we, he was so uh, rudely interrupted. Uh, My apologies, Edward, guys. Edward but apropos, Ing, but apropos. <coughs> Edward Ng will now uh, give us his, uh, yeah, his one talk, of, his spiel on Denzel King of the Monsters. One of the first things I, I said to you after I watched it uh, was um, the... The, 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 the kaiju to human ratio in this movie is like three to ten. He's being hyperbolic, but yeah. okay, I'll let that slide. Um, what, and what I mean about that, it's like, you know, um, the movie clocks in at about a little over two hours. Right before, like maybe like 50 minutes, 40, between 40 and 50 minutes into it, then you get kaiju. No, he, then, no that's not at all. What then is, you get kaiju okay, action. He's, he's completely, okay. he's totally off. On when that, does the kaiju okay. action kick in? The kaiju action kicks in between 25 to 30 minutes into the film of the, uh, with its setup. You're saying it was like an, almost an hour in. And but that here's is not the thing so about the kaiju. Whatsoever. For, and first off, the, kai, the, the kaiju um, uh, that you do see 
at your marker is you don't really get a um, a clear vision of of what's going on, and that's the, no, my problem with a lot of these I don't even think that that's that's another thing. And a lot of problem with I'm talking here. What and and, and, and that's a, my problem with a lot of these um, these Godzilla movies is we get a lot we get way too much of the human drama. And not enough of the kaiju action. Yeah, man. Okay? If I wanted, if I wanted American drama, I'd watch the traveling pants. Right. Yeah. You know, as a kid, as a kid, I did watch all the the the, the yeah, the and kaiju, the worst the parts of them are always the human. Yeah, yeah, but it was it was it's kept always in the minimum. It's always a little kid that's like, oh. No, it's not, and, and no, Ed, no, Ed, there's a lot of it in those old Godzilla films too. What are the That's cases? what makes them not great. <laughs> One of my earliest memories from a kaiju from a from a kaiju thing that I did watch was uh, Monster Island. You know that battle with Monster Island. Here you go, injecting Godzuki into everything. <laughs> Was Godzuki in this movie? No, <laughs> but that's besides the point. Automatic failure. <laughs> Rodan. I mean, that's what we. That's basically what I was praying for after watching the the, the last uh, Gareth Edwards movie. Pray for Godzuki. You know, because <laughs> that's that what. That's all that we want. That's all we want to see. That's all I want to see. Okay, so. Um, but here you have a very big chunk. Okay, fine. A very big chunk of this movie involves around the setup and the. The, the 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 conversation and 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 um what what monarch is and what they do and charles dance and he's a eco-terrorist i'm like fine you know you go guys go read the wikipedia on this you can't it's really hard to follow again <sighs> and it's like um uh okay um vera familia uh, mark's ex-wife madison's mother renegade uh, paleobiologist in League with the Equitaris. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. <laughs> Give me kaiju. Okay, for Pete's all, right. Sake. all right. Do you have anything else to add? What? Do you have uh, anything else to add? I'll inject it uh, when um, okay. upon what First you say. First off, I will say that I don't. I believe the issue with this film is not that there are too many people. Uh, no, no, it's not with, that there's too the, the the human element overwhelms anything. Which that means. would have been good if it had overwhelmed anything. <laughs> um. <laughs> Because here's the here's my take is there actually is a lot of monsters. This film gives you monsters. Oh no, there it are. is not. It is but not. But we don't get enough. Yeah, fine. There's a lot of monster on monster action. Um, the, the, monster the, the, action. The, hey man, browsers. Um, That's what you, we need. You get uh, you get a ton of good fight sequences. The effects, the production values, all up and down everywhere. This is a great looking movie. I would say, even in my opinion, in terms of visuals, not how the story the is visuals handled. Visuals is beautiful. Wait, wait, when not in terms work. of the story, not in terms of how the characters are handled, but in terms of visuals, this is almost Spielbergian in my in my opinion. I'm not going to disagree. You with know what I mean? That, the right. designs and everything else. Um, there are even some moments. Um, where he gets the the you know the pathos with the characters uh, the monster characters uh, uh, do it well well now that is not a problem with this film it has pluses the problem is not that the human elements similar to Dark Phoenix are horrible nothing is laughable but nothing is engaging either um, I would say that. There were aspects of in the Gareth Edwards, I e Edwards film where I was like, "Ah, this is I don't care." Um, here, it's not that it's not that there's ever as my mom. Here's it passes my mom's, who by the way was t 
terribly disappointed in this movie. She's a big Godzilla fan. She was very disappointed in this movie. But it did pass my mom's test about these movies, which was, I never wanted to see the monsters eat the human characters. I, I, I never was like, just eat, yeah, have them die or whatever, and, and that's it. Can, can I say that um, um, it's not like there's nothing in, like, there's one there's one particular thing that I found engaging, and um, while you call it as Chinese, it, like an appeal to the Chinese market, the Zhang Ji's character, okay, who plays by the way um, twins in this yes, movie. Yes, they do the Mothra twin thing. Yes, um, she's a mythologist in this, and there's a there's a particular scene where she says no. Uh, dragons sli- slaying, slaying dragons, slaying dragons is, a Western is, a, is, thing. A, is a Western thing, but in the East, it's very different. Right. I love that. I love what she says there, because um, Godzilla is a very Japanese. It's a very Japanese, very, very Eastern, Eastern thing. Thing because we say all the time, this is what happens when you when you drop a nuclear bomb. Two, two, <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, two of them uh, on 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 a people yeah. on a people. And that the nuclear age, this is to them, this is what the nu- nuclear power does, right. you know, and Godzilla is that metaphor for right. that large destructive force. Right. And, and I like that as a counterbalance to man's nuclear abilities. Yeah, because uh, and this is again, this is this is my opinion that uh, visually, while there were really great uh, kaiju moments. But they're just moments, you know, and and I don't know. I think the I think the a fight lot of sequences the other- were were really well done. The effects yeah, but, on them were but, really well done. But, you know but the problem is that the human element story doesn't gel. And there are a number of reasons. Reason number one is because it's a sprawling cast. Mm-hmm. You have all of these like sort of superfluous It's characters. logical. It's logical that um, if you're giving us a, a Michael Bay, humans are just running because guess what? You should be. Right. right? And they do, yes. But so- instead it's like, you know, we're going to... We're going to somehow put humanity on top somehow by saying Charles Dance, who's again, he's a, a eco terrorist who's trying to take advantage of the situation. No, 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 you know, no. He's by again, saying, like, we're going to restore. Is... No, he's disenchanted with humanity. Right? Yes, exactly. Right? It's not. And he's like, we're going to we're going to have this establish a natural order of things yes. by bring the population. Ed, Which, you know by what? the way, that's a very uh, anime thing with. Um... It's not an it's not even an anime thing. And Ed, we with... live in a world where there are multiple websites and places online where you can find people saying unironically, you know, Thanos had a point. <laughs> okay, I think that, that that's fine. Again, that's fine. The problems are that these the drama you know that else is... else had a point then? Then you're going to say Stalin and, and Mao and, <laughs> and Hitler. That's, that's, why people, that's why people who say you that Thanos had that a road. point. Exactly. No, John, notice I wasn't endorsing it. Yeah. I was pointing out that that's a, a strain of thought that is out there. Um... The issue with the movie is that there were too many characters that what true. was there wasn't it developed all that well. You. <laughs> you know, uh, they needed to they needed to pare these these characters down. You didn't need uh, Thomas Middleditch. Um, you, you didn't need uh, uh, what's his face from the West Wing. Um, Bradley, uh, Bradley Whitford. Bradley Whitford. Um, you may not have even need Zhang Ji. Uh, you needed to concentrate. You didn't need Kyle Chandler as the dad. You needed to cut Kyle Chandler as the dad out, make the conflict, the personal conflict between Millie Bobby Brown and the mother, and you needed to set up some kind of 
Uh, going back Let's to the X Men, some throw kind in of Strathairn. No, there. we you need you needed to throw you needed to have some kind of Magneto Professor X relationship or dynamic between Charles Dance and Ken Watanabe's characters. And a lot of kaiju. And there, but there were again, there was a lot a of lot kaiju more. fighting. There a was a lot, lot of more. kaiju action in this movie, and it was spectacular. It was very beautiful. yeah, but that very happens well... like at the last third of the movie. No, no, it does. Yeah, again, you're. Because you're disenchanted with it, I think you. I mean, are look, 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 giving look, look. a clear view. The setup of those is things. the setup is um, that, the kaiju. They're waking up all over the world. Okay, um, Godzilla's there. They're, they're trying to figure out. Well, why is this happening? Okay, they're there to take over. They're there to to restore the natural order. There's this whole um, drama and and back and forth with the human characters, and they're they're trying to figure out. Oh, Godzilla is. He's a Superman of this group. He's there to protect us. You know that. No, that, that, no. That, there, there's that. There's that element. No, to it. They, hold on, they, hold on, hold no, on. What they do is this, and then the what happens? The terrorists they, have a plan. They, to do this, the, and they unleash Ghidra. And what the problem is is that they are not aware that Ghidra is not a natural he's phenomenon not an, okay, on fine. Earth. He's an alien. He right. is an alien kaiju. And therefore, he throws out all, all the, what their plans were, which again were extremist plans. And, to and begin then Godzilla with. gets he gets beat up, and he's in, in the bottom of the ocean. And then they discover we'll wake him up with a nuclear bomb. Ken Watanabe is going to sacrifice he sacrifices his life by hitting the switch right before he pets him. Okay, wakes him up. Uh, Superman Godzilla gets up, and he, now he's able to. He's able, he's to, able to uh, face off against right. Ghidra again. Right now. Why, uh, does he get more power from the nuclear bomb? Yes, he does. As a matter of fact, Jonathan. He yes, he does. Uh... He gets. He super sands up. Okay. <laughs> I'm, and I'm not even. I'm not joking. I might have to see this. I'm not even joking. Exactly. Nothing you're saying is dissuading nuclear, me, guys. That doesn't bomb, happen yeah. until uh, like the 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 resolve. Again, it's a third of the movie. Like at the end, you know, where you want to so see like Godzilla beat the crap the out big... of the other, you know, and then Mothra jumps in. Because she's the queen of the monsters, right? You know, and there's a really cool scene where she uses her, her, um, her, um, her, her yeah, tail. Yeah, Rodan is that Rodan is sort of like the uh, is sort of the star scream of this. He kind of got, Rodan is the monster. He's the big bird monster, and he's kind of like he he wakes up and he thinks he can challenge Ghidorah, and he finds out he can't challenge Ghidorah. And then he's kind of like, okay, cool, you're the boss. <laughs> All right, uh, we'll do what you say. That's the whole point is that Ghidra, as the most <clears throat> powerful one, sort of is able to control and influence the other monsters. And especially after him and Godzilla get into a fight, which wasn't decisive anyway because it's the humans who fuck up that fight for Godzilla's part. Like, they do, yeah, something, yeah. To, they do something to basically make sure that Godzilla doesn't win. And then Godzilla is injured because of it. And then, you know, Ghidra is just romping and stomping. And then they're like, well, you know, the, the only other one we've got that can challenge him is Godzilla. But he's, he could, he's, he's injured. It could take him years uh, under the circumstances he's in to, 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 to get back into fighting shape. And that's when they do the whole last-ditch effort uh, nuclear bomb thing. But look, look, again. <laughs> again, of when course. describe it's... it, it sounds pretty funny and, like, spectacular. <laughs> but look, look, it has a very, has a very line. We King... injured him, so we set John. off a nuclear bomb to help it has him. has a very line. <laughs> right, which is, well, again, that's cool and fine. The, here is the problem. The problem is, is that the human drama stuff that you have to endure between it isn't necessarily like, oh, this is horrible, but it's just you're kind of like, okay, 
You're like fast forward. You yeah, yeah, that is the problem. And not fast forwarding because you're going like this dialogue is terrible or this characterization. It's just like it's very bland. It doesn't get any of your juices rolling. It doesn't ignite your imagination. Um the dialogue is not bad, but it's not memorable either. You know? Now look, look, there is there's a Lion King ending where where Godzilla's up on top and all the other kaiju, they bow to him. Okay. Because that's it's all about. Yeah, that's like what said, it's all about. That's what it's all about. The fact that Ghidra is not to this world. He came from somewhere else, and he's not part of the natural order. And even with the terrorists wanting to restore the balance using the using the monsters, Ghidra is the is the X factor in that. He shouldn't have been there in the first place. And so, therefore, Godzilla They're following the wolves are following the the, the, the alpha the, the, the alpha the, the, the alpha of the pack dog, exactly. Right. So, ironic because, of course, Tywin Lannister in that film. Now, um, where I would like to see it going forward is I hope that they can, I hope that they can somehow regroup with the Kong versus that's I can tell you um, the okay. So, with a budget of one seventy to two hundred million. No, but see, Godzilla Kong versus Godzilla already wrapped. What? What's that? Kong versus is done. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's coming out next year. You know, it's there is no sort of like, well, uh, we're not going to make it. This is it's done. It's made. So this director, Michael Doherty, this is his first film. No, it's not. It's not. No, yeah. Uh, so you know, no. Michael Doherty has done stuff like Krampus and Trick or Treat, and he's done work on. Uh, he, believe it or not, he has a connection to Brian Singer of X Men fame, uh, um, having written um, stuff going. Yeah, but a lot of it's just like you know, like his body of work is co-wrote script and yes, but again, and working alongside I, like second director that sort of thing. That sort right? of thing, you know? but also having. Do you remember the film Krampus that came out a few years ago that was very well received? Okay, okay, as well as Trick or Treat. He, it's one of those cases of he did very good horror films that got a good. Well, the point I'm re- getting which at seems is to be a trend these days. He's getting, and then they gave him a but, big. But budget. The point I'm getting at, he's getting slammed. And again, I'm and not slammed. I don't to point he, where I don't think he should be slammed. Uh, but I will admit that, like I said, visually it was Spielbergian, but the human stuff. Oh, was you know what? Just I'm sorry. I'm I'm mixing this up with uh, the the director of of Dark Phoenix. He's getting slammed. Right. Okay. Whatever. Kinberg is getting slammed. Kinberg is getting slammed. Okay. Uh, you, you, uh, that happens a lot. Ed. I'm sick. What can I say? <laughs> okay. You know, I've got a cold. Anywho, ha. Huh? So, um, I just would hope that they can regroup for uh, Kong versus Godzilla and make something compelling there. Yeah, about that because one of, that was one of the questions when you first saw it, and I go, so how do they introduce Kong into this? And then one of the first things you brought up was like Godzilla is just way like in terms of size. Yes. How is that going to like... But the key point is that Kong Skull Island takes place in the 70s. And they kind of explicitly state that that version of Kong is in... He's in his adolescent phase. (laughs) So So, we're going to get like... So Kong is going to... Kong has had 40 plus years to grow. 10 times the size of of that. It's not 10 times, but it is, he's, he's going to be able to. The rock is going to be in that. Be into three. He's, he's going to be three or four times larger than he was in Skull Island. Uh, I, like I said, I just hope that they can regroup from that and give me something that is fun and entertaining on both levels. Of course, on the other hand, maybe my expectations are now in check into the simple senses. Like, look, I'm going to go see Kong versus uh, Godzilla. And now I'm going to be surprised if the human element is fun and good and engaging. 
Okay. <clears throat> Moving on to our final piece here for what we're doing. Um, uh, we have a uh, series. Uh, John, I have to ask, did you see, if, if you've heard of this or seen this, this show on Amazon, Good Omens? I will let you know that answer after this break. I love our logo. No, really. I love our logo. The To Be Continued Fanboy Podcast logo was provided to us by friend of the show, Matt Sulkowski, who also runs MSD Studios. And what does Matt do at MSD Studios? He provides positive reinforcement for your brand. Located in Philadelphia, Matt has worked with clients of all sizes and has helped them to focus on designs for campaigns, rebrands, and new brands. Get in touch for your next project, MSD Studios. That's msdstudios.com. Hello out there, everyone. My name is Miguel Alejandro Velez. And Edwarding here. And we are the host of To Be Continued, a fanboy podcast. As anyone knows, we are based out of the Park Slope, Brooklyn-based Pancake Studios, providing to us by one Jonathan Vergara. And what can they expect to get out of Pancake Studios? And here at Pancake Studios, covering your audio recording, production, mixing, and mastering needs. And Jonathan is a complete wizard when it comes to these things. Uh, we Coming this month, it would be our third year anniversary. And uh, he's made a home for us here and continues to produce quality. Look no further. Pancake Studios. Go to www.pancakestudios.net. And we are back. Boy, I wish that Pure Leaf was one of our sponsors. Pure Leaf is good tea. <laughs> I was going to come back from the break and just go, no, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, John, yeah, uh, picking up from there. John, have uh, you have heard or seen of the show Good Omens, which was on Amazon Prime? No, I haven't. Okay. Uh, interesting, uh, interesting little bit. Um, I was waiting for it. I really wanted to get to it, but uh, unfortunately... Having finished it, and I finished it before Ed did, I came away very, very disappointed. So, Ed, same. Uh, you were excited. This is just to see a disappointing. Uh, it's not, it show, wasn't. Right? A, I'm not. I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't too disappointed with. It. I mean, there are there are a lot some really good things about it. But one of the things that we walked away from, or take away from it, was that it's so British. It's very British. It's one of the most British things I've ever okay. watched. In so my now whole life. it is based on a book. Which was written by Terry Pratchett, Terry Pratchett of Discworld fame and a, a bunch of other stuff, obviously. Posthumous, uh, by the way. Uh, and uh, the Sandman's Neil Gaiman. Uh, it was from the late 80s, early 90s, 90s I believe 90s. it was early 90s. Uh, and it was called Good Omens. Uh, uh, was it Good Omens, the... The something... The, the, the very good and accurate predictions of... Winston Church. Something, something. Oh, the the actual title, Good Omens: The Nice and Accurate Prophecies of Agner Nutter, <laughs> comma which, which, right? Okay, so let me give you the the, the what the show is about, John. By the way, starring Michael Sheen mm -hmm. and Doctor uh, Doctor himself, David Tennant, and a, and a lot of people. I yeah, mean, yeah, my yeah, God, yeah. there's mm -hmm. some surprises along the way. I mean, for God's sakes, uh, uh, uh. Uh, what's his face from uh, Parks and Rec? Well, um, um, Offerman John shows up Hamm. out of nowhere. Yeah, John Hamm is in this. Uh, you got uh, Francis McDormand is God is as the voice of God. Um, 
Michael McKeon. Michael McKeon showing up out of nowhere as well. Uh, Miranda Richardson. Yeah, it is a, it's a very good cast. And the idea is wonderful. Okay, here's the setup. The setup is is that starting all the way back to uh, John, all of, all of Christian religion, funnily, they don't <clears throat> get into Jesus. They got into him. Well, they just, show him right, once. Just once. But they don't get into the nature of what that should mean. But it's not like Christ per se is not part of yeah. it. But it's drawn from revelations where at the end times. And the Old Testament. And the Old Testament. And the end times where there will be this ultimate the war between good and evil. Right. And the Antichrist sets that off. Right. Right. The now, son of Satan. we go all the way back to the Garden of Eden, John, because basically the show is saying, guess what? All of that stuff is true. Like, not kind of true, not sort of true. Absolutely 100% true. And the beginning of all of creation, there was one angel who was the guardian of, uh, like, the South Gate of, of Eden. Mm-hmm. Azir, Azir Fell, played Azir by Fell. Michael, uh, Michael Sheen, and with, who was given the flaming sword to, right. guard, to guard the garden. Right. And then one demon named... Crawley, Crawley, who then changes his name to Crowley. Crowley, Crawley was the serpent. Yeah. He was the serpent, you know, who tempted them. The serpent with legs. <laughs> well, he morphs. He morphs. He morphs, he's a, right? He's a shape changer, right? And so. but, suppo- but in, in Genesis, uh, after... Yeah, God... Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah, takes the legs, legs away. Exactly. Yeah. You may only... Your, your, uh, you crawl may only on your crawl belly. on your belly and eat dust the rest of your days. Yada, yada. Yeah. Now... They're there, right? And they see Adam and Eve getting out from the garden. And that's the beginning of these two characters' relationship. An angel and a demon. And throughout history, these guys just keep bumping into one another. (laughs) At various points, some key, some just, you know, low-key moments in history, right? And they can't help but make wagers. Yeah, no, like, that's the thing. It's more... They know wagers. It's just like they, they, they sometimes they hang out. Sometimes they, they bicker. And you know what? It's not like when they do bicker, when these two characters, the two actors... When they're together... They're great. It's great. That is fun. It is funny. It has good commentary. And it is... Oh, basically, it ends Michael up... Michael Sheen is... Um, he likes the finer things in life. He likes uh, sushi. He likes... Um, um, Going to nice restaurants and Crawley is just—he's very, very, very British, you know, very, you know, very proper, you know, in all his ways. And then Crawley is just—he is Mister, you know, rock and roll. So, yeah. You know, I'm the cool guy in the group. Always wear sunglasses. <laughs> always wear, because the other, the other he's demons, got the serpent eyes, right? The so other he's demons always point this out. There was like this fucker at always with his fucking sunglasses on. Uh, he listens to. He drives a classic Bentley. Bentley. Always that listens always to Queen. Queen. <laughs> And that's a whole soundtrack for the entire series. Yeah, is, is, is him. And eventually they just like keep meeting. They keep bumping into each other. Uh, there's one point during the King Arthur era where Azarafel <laughs> kind of runs into him and is like, I am here to challenge the, the Black, Black Knights. Knights. And he says, I, I am the Black Knight and I am going to go, go, Crawley. Crawley? He's like, hold on. <laughs> Xerophel, what are you doing here? <laughs> well, you know, I'm I'm here to face, you know, King Arthur and, and help him to defend the realm. What are you doing here? Oh, you know, I'm just, you know, fermenting. That's what I do, you know. And you see how it's it's um it really it is a um a weird descendant of that Monty Python visual British humor tradition. Things well, are so sort quirky. of through a prism of the idea <clears throat> of 
I don't know if you remember those old uh, Looney Tunes cartoons where you have, um, he's not Wile E. Coyote. He's supposed to be a wolf. Mm. But he's basically, the design was Wile E. Coyote, only he had a red nose. And then the sheepdog. Yeah. And then there's a, that whole thing where they were clocking in and hey, clocking hey, out. Hey, that Bill. as soon as the time was off, hey, they Bill. were like, okay, <laughs> hey, we'll pick this up tomorrow. It's exactly that. It's kind of like, <laughs> these guys don't hate each other. They're not. If anything, Crawley eventually goes, I'm having a bad day because my best friend disappeared. Right, exactly. referring to. To the angel. And they eventually come to this sort of weird agreement. Now, you got to remember, this is a story written by two atheists. So its views on things like heaven and hell are going to be very, very, which is very odd because like, um, like I think you, you wanted to ask me about the theology of, of this uh, and I go, it's charming. I love it, but they get, they they get a lot of things wrong, but this is so how I want the Bible to be. (laughs) They eventually come to an understanding. (laughs) They're in, they're in, uh, they're in, uh, watching a Shakespeare play and, they start talking to each other oh and, they go like, and they start going, well, you know, it doesn't <clears throat> really matter what either of us do here. It doesn't seem like the home offices on either side really care. And like, so he goes, where are you going? He goes, well, I'm supposed to go up to Scotland and tempt some sort of clan leader or what have you. <laughs> and he goes like, well, what, what's your next job? He says, well, that's my next job too. So he says, so like, this is all we're doing is... We're we're just yeah. negating one another. A lot of in weird, the end, it doesn't matter if we're there or not. There's a lot of weird serendipity things. Like at, in that particular conversation, uh, Shakespeare is like st- like standing right behind him, right, and uh, and like he's he, he not you know, he's having writer's block. Crawley and they say up, some lines that he goes, yeah, you know, in that Hamlet. gets integrated into it, and so and eventually like, to be or not, yeah. yeah. So eventually, they just come to this this this. Uh, um, not remembrance, this congruence, whatever, this agreement where they're going to be like, here's the idea. Every once in a while, every time we get a mission from the home office, <clears throat> sometimes you'll, you'll do it for me. Sometimes I'll do it for you. And sometimes I, you know, either, or, uh, you know, and we just get to enjoy being here on earth and, uh, you know, and that's essentially what it's about. They are both enamored with Earth, with mortals, with humanity, and existence as it is. At the same time, knowing that they have a job to do and have to keep a schedule, because this particular day and everything takes place within like, you know... A week or so. A week, right? You know, because they do a countdown of when... Well, in at some point, 11 years prior, oh, yeah, they the Antichrist you. was born. And the demon was given the job of delivering him to a nunnery where it, they were going to pull an omen. It was going to be like, oh, we're going to give him to uh, an American ambassador uh, to raise as his own. And he'll have be, you know, mm-hmm. he'll be around the levers of and, power. And, and all the Moses. Uh, it was going to be, well, they were going to name, it was going to be a whole thing. It was going to be named Damien, the whole but, nine yards. But, but, the, but the, the kids, they, there's a switcheroo. There's a whole entire like you know card trick thing that that Francis McDormand God explains, and then essentially what happens is the Antichrist isn't raised by this American ambassador. Nope. He's raised by this average family in southern England somewhere, you know, very dull and affable. Uh, if anything, yeah, and it's like uh, and and um, and so the demon and the and then the demon and the angel they are then 
they said, well, you know, we they still want to try and stop the apocalypse. And they say, well, we've been negating each other all these years. That's what we'll do here. You will give him lessons on evil, <clears throat> and I will give him lessons in good. And then and at the end decide. of the day, it'll just be washed out, and you'll be able to go on. And that doesn't work out for them. Uh, because it's the wrong kid anyway. Look, so he spent 11 years doing that for nothing. <laughs> the, and so the, the kid is being, the real Antichrist is coming into his own, uh, but he is just this average. He's just going to art school. You know? He's just he's just this average kid playing and average games. he's rejected from art school. Has like three, <laughs> has three, has three friends that he hangs out with, you know, which by the way, there is eventually um, a, I would say a lovely juxtaposition where the four horsemen are paired up with his the Antichrist friends, and yeah. his three other friends, right? So you have the kids who are like challenging the horsemen. The horsemen of the apocalypse. And I, thought that, was, whole... I thought that was charming, you know? But some of the things that... Th- th- that's one of the things that does work for me. And um, But what are, th- what are the things that don't work about, about it for you? I just think... I think that here's the biggest problem I had with it all over. While Tennant and Sheehan, they are... They are powerhouse <clears throat> performers, and their charisma sells you on it at the end of the day. And maybe this is a problem with the, with it being Pratchett and and Gaiman. It may be they're you know they were they're humanists, but they're not positive humanists. Maybe <laughs> here's the issue. Well, I don't know. Human- Wait, really, no, really no, not here's pos- the thing. really. I don't think humanity is anything other than a prop in this. I think that the story does not present any reason mm-hmm. why humanity should be saved, mm-hmm. why it's important, or in fact, why at the end, given the way that it's ending with, which is the whole idea is like, well, the Antichrist being raised by regular people, mm-hmm. his humanity mm-hmm. is what, none of that registers None of that registers, yeah. It doesn't seem that important. It just seemed to, stuff just kind of happened. And I don't get why... I don't get why Crowley and what was it not and, enough and for would care about humanity. Wasn't that enough for the children going, you know, especially the little girl? I like, think those like, I, you know, I think that those three know. kids, while I do I mean, yeah, especially I, when they talk to the horsemen, right? They I go, like the idea of that. You know, like, like, but I didn't dare, even like, I didn't like those like, kids. How dare you play I'm a girl, how dare you place me in a particular like that whole thing. I know? thought that that Which was... Which is very millennial, by the way. Yeah, that's what that was the problem. It, this, the characters were more examples of things mm-hmm. and not full-born characters. And they weren't necessarily great, entertaining, or interesting examples. So um, at the end of it, I just didn't... I didn't feel anything. I didn't understand. And as, as good as the chemistry between Tennant and, and Sheehan was, I didn't even get why they were friends. When he says, my friend, the angels, you know, I'm, I'm at, I didn't sense that they were these great, I'll die for you. It was, oh, this it, is a funny pairing. Well, here's the thing. I, I think it's, um, there is a development, right? But like, it all starts where Adam and Eve, they, they, they leave the garden. A storm comes. Didn't you used to have a? Didn't you have a sword? Aziraphale puts the wing. Did right. you have a sword? Oh well, you so, know. Uh, oh yeah, that's that's another. That's a funny gag. That's it's a right. gag. Didn't you? Didn't you have a sword? Oh, she's. I gave it to them. Well, <laughs> why? Well, you know, she she's pregnant. The animals out there. I think there's a weird there. There is a there is a like you say like. You don't get a sense of them being friends, other than the fact that they've just tolerated each other for so long, and eventually. <laughs> Gone through this adventure. Oh, he's holding up a power. John's holding up a power tool right now. Okay, is there okay. is there a reason we need to have yeah. that? Sorry, it just came in the mail, guys. Are you <laughs> proud of me? 
<laughs> I got my first power tool. Power tool. That's your first power tool? <laughs> that almost sounds dirty because I've got another power tool in my pants. <laughs> anyway. Um, uh, here's a Sorry. question. Here's a question Monkey for you. Monkey wrench. What are not a monkey? Now you've moved on. You've moved beyond monkey wrenches to power to drill. power drills. You're you're upping the game. You, we're gonna now refer to it. You just as, evolved. We have we're now referred to it as power drill. You just Pokemon evolved. From, from 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 now on, whenever you 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 throw in something, it's gonna be he's power, power drilling. drilling again. He's power drilling. There he goes. There he is. Right, literally. We may ask you to use that, record that <laughs> sound, and then inject it into the. But Too bad again, they're not sponsored. What are some of the um. Uh, like as far as the the, the side characters, were the the Michael McKeon, the the, the witches and the witch finders. I felt the same way. I <clears throat> felt that they were just examples of things and caricatures, mm. um, rather than being the side the other the other angels, John Hamm and yeah. I I mean, like, look, I got what it was going for. Mm. See, John, one of the things in it is is that. The demon, it, God and the devil are kind of on the sidelines for most of this. Yeah. You don't ever really get, God narrates it, Francis McDormand, but you never get what God's about. Well, that, that's why I made that uh, joke about like, oh, did they, did they meet up and like start gambling? Because that's kind of a theme throughout the Bible is uh, because it's the idea of free agency. Right. Like God wants you to worship him, but he doesn't want Witches. you to force you to worship him because then it's not real worship. The theological faux pas, but that's all. That's, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, besides yeah. the point. So, but so I thought they would maybe play on that in, in this where they're like, look, no, I'm, the, the, I'm good, I'm evil, but we cannot directly force no, and if, it. No, but see, here's the truth. The truth is they do get into the idea that this is all God's plan. Mm -hmm, yes. Even the bad stuff. Yeah, they get into it again. And they go well, like, I think the idea. I don't know. Ed, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the idea is um, not not that. Uh, man, I just lost my train. Of Look thought. in Job, and, and we and we we've, we discussed we've this about, about that, Job. Yeah. You know where where Job is this one individual, and there's a conversation oh, between God, God and a devil. It. That it's yes, not, God does allow it. Allows it. Not now, necessarily. There's a scene again. There's a particular scene where Frances McDormand she's narrating and she talks about how she does a card. You see the hands; they do a card trick, like the, 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 the shell game, but with the cards. Yeah. Okay. So okay, Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett. That's basically um, your interpretation of of theology in this case, right? And that I'm 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 I that I have to buy from you. Fine, I'll take it. You're you're giving well, me a they, story. Well, I think they make a point of saying there. It's a big part of it. Mm -hmm. Remember when they confront the fact that both sides, John, the angels and the demons, they just want to get it on. And I don't mean like get it on like that. They want to. They're like we are. We just want to settle this. Yeah. Settle the fi the fight between good and, and therefore, evil. Settle the fight between heaven and hell. And they don't care about anything else. Sort of saying like. Uh, you know armies, what I mean? Like, the, oh, both sides and are And you know, there's something very, uh, very um, analog, like human analog about it. Like, you know, they're, they're basically humans mm -hmm. in, in, a, in, in this story with a job to do. Like if, if, a, if, a, and of course it's fiction. The thematic, so, you know, thematically. It's, we're not talking about high theology here. You know, if you're an angel of war. Then your then your job is to make sure that you're, you know, that you're there to vanquish your enemies, you know? And um, that's what these angels are doing. There's a scene where they're arming up the, the they're arming up the angels of heaven, 
Right. Right. Getting ready to go to war. They're very happy about the birth of the Antichrist. They're right. like, yes. Yes, we're. Something to do. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We're going like to get Goku's. this over with. Exactly. There's, they're, they're absolutely. Like Goku's, yeah. Now, yes. here's the thing. Now, here's the thing. Let's test our they, powers now. They do make a good point <clears throat> of talking about, uh, uh, in terms of the, of saying, there. it's one thing to say that it, God's, they make a distinction between God's unknowable plan and God's ineffable plan. And that seems to be <clears throat> a a demarcation line where that's their whole they, they 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 kind of settle both sides that way. They're like, "Well, you guys are acting like you know." They they're like, "Well, this is what we've been planning. This is what we've been preparing for. This is the day. This is what this is all about." And they kind of go, "Well, you but you don't know that, do you?" Even the angels do not have absolute knowledge of God's no intent, mm. yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And so they're like, but you don't know that. You're going about this as though you are 100% sure. It's, it's really weird. Like, Francis McDormand never interacts with these characters, right? If anything, Very frustrating on my part. Yeah, so they get instead uh, Derek Jacobi as the, 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 the voice messenger. of God that... Um, Metatron. Um, yeah, you know. <laughs> And who interacts with the characters? Uh, who interacts with um, with Aziraphale, um, Michael Sheen? And it's like, can I talk to the? Can I talk to God? Uh, you are talking to God. <laughs> it's like, no, 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 no. I'm not really to God. I'm the voice of God in all ways and things. And said, but that's not, not the, the same, same. thing. <laughs> You're kind of the spokesman of God. I need yeah. to really kick this up to the. To the highest level, you're, you're so. Sarah Huckabee Sanders to God, yeah, pretty yeah. much, pretty much. Um, I just think overall it was kind of, for me was very lackluster, and I was I just wanted I didn't think it delivered on the laughs it should have. I don't think it delivered on the drama and characters. Yeah, there's nothing that have. really like like ha had me in stitches rolling on the floor. Yeah. I mean, there were a lot of a whole lot of charming moments. Yeah, um, but, but that's at the same time, it, not... it fizzles out. Like yeah. you know, the ending, you f you felt like it fizzled. Um, we we made a comment about uh, Michael McKean. Like you felt that his performance was like a little bit too. Well, I think I think that because Miranda Richardson, she's she's a she's an awesome performer. You you because she's American, and you don't realize that because she's that good of an actress. Michael McKean of Spinal Tap, by the way. Uh, he's a genius. In I that. think that's the. I think I was going like, but he's doing this weird Scotty Scottishness to it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I kind of feel that he he kind of stuck out because everyone else in the cast has their you know their their UK yeah, yeah residents, yeah. and it would it's fine it's fine when him and um and Chris Guest and Harris Shearer are Shearer. together. They don't actually, you know, they only had one other guy there who was an actual, you mm. know, um, uh, Englishman. Here it's the whole cast, and it's like, well, now I can really see you're yeah. you're act, you're really an American guy just put doing a put on accent. Regardless, yeah. I I felt the same way. It was like, eh, not terrible, but my wife was looking forward to it, and um, uh, she got really ticked at me. She's like, "You watched it before I did." I'm like, "Yeah, I got a show to do, and you know, you're watching other things." <laughs> the Great and, British um, So when she finished it because it was a breeze. Oh, what did she feel? What did she? What did Jen think? Again, like you know, like we don't talk about it after the fact. Now, will there be a, a season two? I think there is a setup for season two. Will we see one? I don't know. Yeah, I think that the other part is that there was they 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 follow through on the book. 
and Pratchett died. There was plans yeah. for a sequel, but they never did that. And Gaiman, in fact, Gaiman, said he had he taken he had taken elements that were supposed to be in the sequel that was never completed mm -hmm. and put them into this series. So I don't think there's well, it, anything it's, to it's get back to. It's funny even to be um, how the project, well, now this is what I read, that the project was conceived like this. Like Pratchett died, Gaiman didn't want to do it, and then he receives a, post a letter posthumously after the fact where Pratchett tells him, no, you gotta, you gotta follow, this, has, this project has to follow through, make this happen. And somehow it ends up getting getting made. And, and I think that what I would say is is ultimately I felt it was rather smugly clever but empty. That was how I felt about. Which it. is very British. Yeah, the, but it yeah it didn't. I don't think clever. it 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 I, it just didn't work for me overall. Now we're gonna take a short break, <clears throat> and when we get back, <laughs> someone has some questions for you. Well, what are you doing over there? I'm just looking at our business cards, man. I mean, this is some great work that they did over there at Rolling Press for us. Oh, Rolling Press. That's um, our, our pal Eugene Lee uh, runs Rolling Press, and he did beautiful work for us with our cards. Rolling Press, a Brooklyn Park Slope-based eco-friendly printing business, printing books, magazines, zines, and comics for anyone who wants to start their own thing. Rolling Press is a printing company. Go to rollingpress.com. Sand, when I visited your house the other week, uh, I saw Jen's uh, home office that you've got down in the basement, and there was this beautiful uh, flower centerpiece that was mounted on the wall there. Where'd oh, you get yeah. That, from? That's, um, that was done by Rosie, a friend of the show also. Oh, right. Uh, Rosie, uh, she runs Rolex Creations for personal handmade luxury. Follow Rolex Creation on Facebook and Instagram and place your order today. It's false. No way. Not this time. We created it. Not this time. No, not this time. It's totally made up. Pure fiction. It's fiction. It's fiction. We made it up. We made this one up. It's a made-up tale. It's a total fabrication. It never happened. It never happened. This one was invented by a writer. Not this time. It never happened. It's false. It never happened. It's a fake. It's fiction. It's an urban legend that never happened. No way. We got you. Not a chance. Not this time. It never happened. It never happened. We made this one up. It's fiction. We made up this one. We made it up. Not this time. Wrong. Not this time. Not this time. You're wrong. Not this time. It never happened. Someone had some questions and some answers for us. And that man's name. Jonathan, that's Freaks. Jonathan Scott. Wrong. Freaks. Not this time. <laughs> Also known as Captain William T. Riker. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah, Captain, I suppose, at this point. Of the USS Titan, Edward. <laughs> Not this time. Not this time. <laughs> uh, this is what I really wanted to get to on today's show. Ed and I are gigantic Trek fans. We are huge fans of Star Trek The Next Generation. Yes. <laughs> You're right. You're right. <laughs> this one is true. And um, so we have a real soft spot in our hearts for any of the cast members. Of course, you know, nowadays, of course, everyone is on pins and needles waiting to see Picard, uh, Picard happened, uh, with, yeah. uh, with Patrick Stewart. Um, uh, Star yes. Trek is a gigantic yeah. fixture in pop culture and in the fanboy culture. However, 
Correct. <laughs> you're right. This time, you're right. <laughs> however, um, this is going to go on like for the rest of the entire podcast. However, Correct. here's here's the thing. Um, in recent months, like the last two months, <clears throat> another project that another member of the Star Trek: The Next Generation family did has sort of bubbled back up into the pop culture consciousness, at least online, uh, and has been the uh, the generator of memes and of YouTube videos. And I am talking about Jonathan Frakes and his stint as the host from season two to season four of Beyond, Beyond Belief. Belief. Fact. Fact. Or fiction. Or fiction. Correct. You decide. <laughs> you decide. Now... This was a show that... Tonight, <laughs> your challenge is to separate what is true and what is false. Five stories, some real, some fake. Can you judge which is fact, which is fiction? To find out, you must enter a world both truth and deception. False. A world that is beyond belief. Now, you have a different intro. Now, yes, that was the that was like the, the, the season three intro. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to read you... The intro of the original season, uh, as it was read by Don LaFontaine, who was Mr. Trailer from the 80s and 90s. Inner world. He's the inner world guy. He's, he's the deep voice trailer dude uh, of, of the classic era. Now, this was a show on Fox. We decided that it was within the... But by the Paranormal way, you can, mystery. You can watch all this. Show. You can watch all this for free on the internet. On on uh, especially on IMDb Amazon. offers it for free. You can see it on all Amazon. Right. It is available, and when you do, you will hear the intonations <laughs> of Don LaFontaine that go a little something like this: Beyond belief, fact or fiction, hosted by Jonathan Frakes. We live in a world where the real and unreal live side by side, where substance is disguised as illusion, and the only explanations are unexplainable. Can you separate truth from fantasy? To do so, you must break through the web of your experience and open your mind to things beyond belief. Okay, can I have that? Yes, now that's me... Putting a spit, some mustard on the ball there. Ed will read it now, and you tell me if I'm this is not sound. Non actor. Is, is this, this thing on? Is is just as a it, just doing it as 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 plainly as possible. Tell me this does not sound like the pitch from a cult. We live in a world where the real and unreal live side by side, where substance is disguised as illusion, and only explanations are unexplainable. Can you separate truth from fantasy? To do so, you must break through the web of your experience and open your mind to things beyond belief. False. <laughs> beyond belief. Now, now again, look at that one, especially in the middle. <clears throat> and the only explanations are unexplainable. In, so just in, throw empiricism right out the window. In, Don't even try to words, explain anything. The show basically says... It's up to you. It's up to you. All Except, right, of course, that Frakes positions himself as the ultimate arbiter of truth at the end of every episode. 
Here's the deal. This show was one of in the in the vein of shows like uh, Unsolved Mysteries, which are hosted by Robert Stack. And let me tell you, that's a guy that knew how to do it right. Yeah. Yeah. Join me. (laughs) (laughs) On Unsolved Mysteries, Robert Stack actually did good in the world. Lorraine was only 23 years old, (laughs) and she met Matt. At a laundromat. <laughs> see, and now, now, but but see, John, you joke, but unsolved mysteries. Yes, they did a lot of hoodoo. They did alien abductions and Bigfoot <clears throat> and you know ghost stories and stuff like that. But then they also did real, honest to God, criminals stories of crime, kidnappings, well, like I said, like unsolved murders, and then on top of that, actually help to okay, catch the okay. criminals or or reunite families. L- ladies together. and gentlemen. What the hell is Frank's doing? Ladies Do you and gentlemen, have any information? Miguel oh. goes to arm's length to go, we need to do, we're going to do the show. <laughs> we're going to do the show. Because? And I'm like, all right, fine, I'm in. You know, because, well, here's the thing. There, and we're going to show you the, 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 the second video or these, the, the audio. Well, again, well, yeah. But, but here's the thing. It's what starts out as um, the... Um, uh, um, something that goes viral on the internet is about two Jonathan months ago. Frakes, some, someone put together a supercut <clears throat> of Jonathan Frakes telling tells you you're the, the wrong. title is telling you're wrong for forty five seconds. Is that it? Forty seven seconds. Forty seven seconds of John Frakes. And, it, and if you watch, which it, we had played earlier at, 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 in false. the intro here, if you watch it in repeat, okay, you can, and you can do that. It's yes. just like you're wrong. Gotcha. Wrong. Gotcha. We got you. A team of writers who... who, who, (laughs) This one was invented by the writers. This this whole thing like ruined us, by the way. For the past two months, that's all we've been... Well, yes, we started doing it and then we slowly got out of it because that was all we were doing. We were texting back each other, just quoting this, or that would be our answer to everything. So, hey, Miguel, are we going to do the the Dark Phoenix show? Not a a chance. (laughs) (laughs) Nowhere. <laughs> Say, Miguel, did you uh, two months of this yeah. BS? Well, well, like, and we were slowly getting out of it. We were in rehab. We stopped doing it, and then you got the affirmations, and then yeah, and then someone came out with Jonathan Frakes tells you you're right for forty seven seconds. <laughs> yes, correct, correct, <laughs> correct. You're right. You're, you're right. right. You were right. <laughs> and then surprisingly, yes. And then, and then, and then we got. It's, it started to kick into high gear. And yeah, really philosophical. <laughs> Have you ever gone down to the laundromat? <laughs> we, got, we started to get Jonathan Frakes now feeding you a bunch of, well, it's a supercuts, really. Right. Well, what, what is it? What here's the one? Is it? It's Jonathan Have you Frakes. Ever fell in love? <laughs> uh, <laughs> asks you questions. Okay, and. Now, Ed, you 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 you, you tell you you, you said you had somewhere. to have the well, you have to play it first. The, 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 okay, so the preamble here, and uh, or I just hit play and So this is Jonathan Frakes asks you things posted only four weeks ago. Have you ever walked out of a mall into a huge parking area and realized you'd forgotten where you parked your car? Ever gone mountain biking? What do you want to be when you grow up? What's the right tip? Have you called a plumber to your home lately? How superstitious are you? How much money would it take to make you spend a night in a cemetery? Would you display this as a trophy? Do you have a pet? Do you have a sweet tooth? Do you believe in the power of a curse? Have you had your hearing tested lately? Planning a trip soon? 
Can you remember the tallest man you've ever seen? Do you love to go a-wandering beneath the clear blue sky? Have you noticed what big stars real estate agents no. have become? Are you careful with your personal records? Does your computer ever seem to have a mind of its own? Have I, you ever visited a Chinatown section in a major city? Be, have I, you ever visited a flea market? Have no. you ever visited a truck stop? Did you, you ever have a job as a waiter? I, have you noticed how many successful restaurants are theme-based these days? Recently. Have you ever had the desire to write your initials in wet cement? Okay, so... <laughs> I found that clip and I sent it to you guys and, and, uh, and then we hadn't talked, we, we were already, we, we had already like detox for like maybe a week and a half from, no, it was even longer. We had had a nice, like <laughs> nice. we just, it had now got it passed through <clears throat> our systems. We weren't doing the bits anymore. Right. And then it just and started just, up again. And then I'm like, and now then, we like, just text each other back and forth and then we 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 got on the phone finally and not even a word the word passes by i go stop right there miguel you know i've been doing you know i do homework with my with my boy clark and clark is very good in math and and so you know we and it's gone to a point where we're we're now do you do it to your son if he gets the answer no, wrong you're but, like false no <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, it's 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 gotten my mathematical juices up and running, and sometimes I'll look things up and and I'll. And now you're it. thinking, and I'm thinking, and one of the things I came by, um, because as a closet engineer, I go, so what are like? Is there such a thing as a random generator? Is there such such a thing? And if you go look this up, there and like the way um, developers go about it. They what they do is they take two numbers they they multiply that and whatever the product you get the number that the, the two numbers that are in the middle and then they take that and they keep that's called a number generator a, a random it is number in generator fact not random is what you're saying so therefore what's in the universe at least in my mind is there's nothing random everything there's a rhythm there's a pattern right this is this is the stuff that they give you in that show in God like, does touch. not play dice correct but except except and I said Miguel. I took the liberty of transcribing this. Have you had the desire to write your initials on wet cement? Ever go mountain biking? What do you want to be when you grow up? What's the right tip? Call a plumber to your home lately? <laughs> How superstitious are you? How much money would it take to get you to spend a night at the cemetery? Would you, dis would you display this as a trophy? Ever own a pet? Ever have a sweet tooth? So what you're saying here, Eddie? Ever believe in the power curse? It's the true random. Have you had is, your hearing tested? <laughs> there is planning no, a trip soon. There is no rhyme. Can you remember the tallest bag you've ever seen? You're saying is that there's. Can you ever remember the tallest bag you've ever seen? <laughs> the tallest you, man you've ever. Oh, seen. Oh, tallest man. Do you ever? Do you ever love go wandering under a clear blue sky? <laughs> Ever notice how big, uh, how big stars, realities, uh, uh, real estate agents right. have become? Right. In, in other words, Ed, Ed, what you're saying is this is the is most no random thing I've ever <laughs> experienced in my whole entire life. And <clears throat> the additional part of it is, of course, is that what we can't give the audience is the visuals. Ever visit a Chinatown section in your city? What? <laughs> well, it's like honestly, if you went to a party. And ran into a guy that just started asking you these questions. You're like, that's some good PCP. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, what are you drinking? You must be drunk. And um, But this is just a roundabout way of getting to, like, Jonathan Frakes's, you know, him as a, this weird, like, he's morphed into this weird cult figure. What is he doing today? What Directing is he doing today? 
Directing yeah. a lot. Now, Frakes after <clears throat> Next Gen, um, he got some acting gigs here and there, but mostly what he dedicated himself is to some feature, but mostly a lot of TV directing. And he's actually quite in demand. Um, but then in 1997... And we're very happy the fact that he's going to be directing... Uh, um, now, this just came out not too long ago. Um, episodes of Picard. Episodes of Picard that's going to be coming up, by the oh, way, cool. authored, written by Michael Chabon, which is wow. That's crazy. Okay. And he had also done some of Discovery, mm-hmm. uh, Star Trek Discovery. Now, here's the thing, though. He, there's something about Frakes that is almost, he gives off a, a vibe kind of like a real live Ron Burgundy. All right. After Star Trek. Oh, really? Here's the, oh, here's really? the through line. After Star Trek The Next Generation is off the air, because remember, it goes off the air in 1994. In 1995, he hosts the Fox broadcast for the then-topical Alien Autopsy. Which, by the way, the full title of that special was Alien Autopsy, Fact or Fiction. Now... It's that stuff is of course ridiculous nonsense at this point. Everyone knows it's fake. You decide. <laughs> but it's like already there. Like okay, this is something you do now. Is that what it is, John? He goes and then hosts in 1996 uh, a show on the then struggling UPN network called the Paranormal Borderline. Which was, again, another one of these, here's all these ooky spooky stories and stuff, alien abductions, cryptozoology, you name it. And actually has some controversy to it because apparently there was a, a portion hoax, of one show, a hoax, about uh, the Yeti, the abominable snow, uh, snowman, <laughs> that um, they, he then distances himself from the show because of this faked abominable snowman footage. Um, which, again... I had a slight interest. I had a deep, not slight, deep interest in the paranormal when I was uh, younger. I was just out of, and it was uh, the sort of thing where I was aware of it. Okay. Now Fox creates this show and I can't help but feel that they probably just wanted to capitalize on that alien autopsy stuff. And of course the fact that this is the late nineties. X-Files too. Right. Mm -hmm. X-Files is doing gangbusters at that time. Mm -hmm. So... They create, the sh- there's the show created, and Dick Clark was the producer of this thing. Oh, dear. Of all people. Really? Yes. So it has a pedigree, right? Is American Bandstand in there? Or? Absolutely. And so... Um, and originally, uh, Jim Bro- J- Jim James Brolin... James Brolin, at the time, was the, was the was host, host for the first season. And it is no less arc, no less filled with those dumb puns... And stupid, you know. But then someone had to decide, like, you know, hey, this guy James is just not. This is not it working us. it out. This is not working out after one season or whatever. He, Brolin was out, so <laughs> they have to find someone to replace Brolin. Thanos is going to change that because yeah, his exactly. Dad, he's got like, the snap. Um, and instead, or did he change? Or or did in fact did Josh Brolin use his like? I got to get Dad out of this. I got to use the gauntlet <laughs> to 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 do something to history. And, and then like, and he, you know, we're living freaks, in the reality. Face face value freaks. Yeah, exactly. Comes in. We got it. We got. And it. I say face the- value freaks. Why audience? Because at the end of these shows, um, <laughs> he's just as always like they're f- okay. Every show basically is 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 premised by this. And we're gonna give you five stories. We're gonna give you the stories, and you decide. 
You have to guess whether they're fa- fact or fiction. But I'm Jonathan Frakes. I'm going to tell you what's fact Which and what's fiction. But here's the thing: Did uh, did, did, did did was was the the milk the milk jug haunted? That was fiction. Move on to the next one. Wait a minute. There's no explanation. No. Why? No, it's it's. It's not so much the fake ones. Again, it's the ones it's that are claimed one, oh, to right, be real. Right, okay. It's the ones where he goes, you know, that it's one like, was real. you know, was, you know, this one actually ha- occurred somewhere in the Southwest United States in the late 1950s. Moving on. Moving. With no evidence to support it. Because, what? Miguel. So ever. Because we have to take things by face value. He's face value. And therefore, he's face value. Y- this Frakes. show always begins with Frakes. And I just said that. Like, like, yeah, what's the deal with face value, value Frakes? Frakes. <laughs> this show always begins with Jonathan Frakes coming out of the darkness. The smoke. In this, what must be... Prop- with a crispy smile. With, with some sort of weird There's ass- a credenza in the corner. It's, it's this sort of... At first, I, it, when Brolin is the host, it's more just sort of a... He just a, walks a out. A soundstage right, right. that's blackened. Right. Once Frakes comes on board, we get what you ha- coined the term, the phrase as, and I will quote you, Chateau de Frakes. <laughs> <laughs> this sort of, this sort of sanctum sanctorum of, of lover of mysteries, Jonathan Frakes, who comes walking out in this very intentional walk, hits his mark, and then oh, it's ladies like, and gentlemen, welcome to our tours here at the at the, at the Hollywood Tours, the Universal Star Tours, Studios. Universal Studios. On our left here, you'll see the Hollywood sign. On the right over here is what you what you'll see as Chateau de Frakes. This is where they filmed all four seasons of Jonathan Frakes. <laughs> it's a little reminiscent of the the Night Gallery. It is. Yeah. It is. He's the host that comes out, and it's like, here's yeah. this object. And it's like weird stuff uh, placed around him. And yeah. see, I always said that this thing is-, is Weird, ed- weird, weird objects. <laughs> yeah. Again, the credenza, the quill, <laughs> the, the grandfather clock. His old-timey phone. And then just Voodoo the things that, yeah. And then just the randomness. Like, there was one episode where he's like, things we find on the side of the road. And he's walking, and the camera pans with kill. him. And he's like, yeah, he's like, he's like, he's like, sometimes you might find an old shoe. Sometimes a, a hubcap. Possum. And they're all there. Sometimes an old <clears throat> chair. And so, <laughs> but some things it's we all find about on the, the side of the road. It's all about the puns. Yes. Okay. Now, all right. Let me, let me run through some of these things. Because he tells these stories... And then you got to remember he wraps them up the story segment and then mm-hmm. leaves the decision, oh, I'm challenging you to viewer which is right or which is true or false for the end. At the end of each video segment where the recreation which are always not particularly it's not great drama. <laughs> um but strangely with known character actors doing these reenactments, he will will then go back to Frakes who let me give you a rundown of these puns. Not likely. Okay. <laughs> Is this tale of the deadly game of ring toss inspired by an actual event? Or have we rigged the game once again? <laughs> Do you accept this tale of an octopus who lived inside a human being as true? Or you've been inked in the face. Or is there something fishy going on here? Is this story of the wicked cemetery boss based on an actual event? Or are we burying the truth between a mountain of lies? (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> then there are the long there are, there are some of the longer ones. <laughs> what really happened here? Was there really some electrical sh- sh- uh, was there really some electrical short behind those exploding lights? Perhaps the crooks caused the short when they tampered with the security system. But then the building had never experienced any sort of wiring problems in the past. Is it logical to assume such a coincidence at the exact same time Vic was experimenting with telekinesis? Do you believe this story of top security? Or are we trying to sneak one past you? <laughs> and, of course... He kind of are... s- sounds like Spock, right? The way he talks and the way he delivers. It's not... It's, it's uh, a little Spockish. I, it's the, there's, no, it's, I don't think it's Spockish. It's this... There's, there's this weird, like... Do you find it logical? Anchorman that, quality. Oh, this cocksure... Yeah, you know, very... Like, regardless very, very... of whether the facts are true or not, <laughs> I'm going to give it to you at face value. Poor yeah. Melissa. Was it the ghosts of the graveyard that did her in? Or did she scare herself to death by unknowingly plunging the knife into the hem of her coat, trapping her in place, and causing her imagination to take over in the dark? Do you think this story of terror in the cemetery is real? Or do you have grave doubts? <laughs> My favorite one is, and, and you've heard this, the, the audience, you've heard this by now, and the, have you ever had your hearing checked, right? <laughs> He ends that one by saying, you know, uh, or is it just hearsay? Bing! Takes a tuning fork. Bing. Yeah, the props become a big part of the show. Of his puns. And, like, you know, it's like he goes, he, like, ever go mountain biking? And, like, he has to... He's got the helmet on. He's got the bad helmet on, you know, and... And, and he's clearly not about to bike anywhere. <laughs> yeah, because he's got this black three-piece suit on! And he's in a small enclosed black room. Dark. Now, this does get lampooned in pop culture um, because apparently this is, this is something that was out on Netflix, something called How to Sell Drugs Online, and we found, found this out because the UIMDB Jonathan Frakes 2019, he does something called How to Sell Drugs Online just, just for like a little bit part as himself lampooning the, the, the and it is recent because it beyond, is it is beliefs. it is him in his <clears throat> it, you know as he looks now so he's older he's 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 uh, a little bit heavier um he doesn't have the 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 the, the hair is not as dark it is uh, definitely uh but he white <laughs> but but this but the stage is barely pretty much the same thing and they're lampooning it perfectly. And this is my sense that he is actually getting into that Shatner zone where he understands somehow this has been bubbling up. This has been building up to a moment that he can take advantage of. And so this this thing, How to Sell Drugs Online, on uh, available on Netflix, which is apparently German, and we'll get to the German connection, is him making fun of these videos that are starting to pop up. And uh, it goes a little something like this. Hello, my name is Jonathan Frakes, and I'm going to explain the dark net. (laughs) 
Did you know that every time you take a photo, your location is stored in the image file's metadata? Maybe you did. Are you also aware that when you buy a robotic vacuum cleaner like this, you give the company permission to take measurements of your home and give that data to third parties? Fucking outrageous. By the way, the company that makes these vacuum cleaners is called iRobot. Like the Will Smith movie where robots try to destroy humanity. Think about that. We live in a world where big technology companies know more about us than we do about ourselves. It's totally understandable that some people prefer to remain anonymous on the internet. For that, they use a special network called the Onion Router, or just Tor. If you open a site on the internet, the data packet containing the content comes directly from the provider's server. Totally traceable. If you open a darknet address, the data packets are not transferred to you directly. First, they're routed through the Tor network from node to node. Each node only has contact with the previous node and the next node, but never the whole chain. That means it's no longer possible to trace who originally sent the data package. Are you really sure that it was Lisa who sent the data? Or did we use the darknet to keep you in the dark? Okay. So he is well, <laughs> he is in that Shatner area. He is aware. Oh, very aware. Of this. And it's funny because this show uh, that's on Netflix, um, How to Sell Drugs Online, is German. And one of the funny things about it is that the show apparently... Beyond Belief Factor Fiction became a gigantic hit in Germany to the point that there were spinoffs uh, under th that brand name over there where it was. Yeah, <laughs> here, here in West Berlin. <laughs> I can have to tell you that uh, Johnson's fix is like a, he's a what we call a patron saint of, of puns. Wonderbar. Wonderbar. <laughs> when. when Jonathan Flex did the story about the haunted milk can. I understood that life was very much like that milk can. I named my first <laughs> child after William T. Viker. <laughs> As you know, life is like milk. It is important to grow, but ultimately it is nothing but pus. <laughs> uh, so, now, here's the thing. The show is absolutely ridiculous. Ridiculous. But... And not at the same time. But there is something strangely compelling about this, and he is having this moment. And I hope to get more out of this. I think we, because you Ooh. and I, we thought <clears throat> that one video, him telling us you're wrong, that's it. You can't make no, fun and, of this and anymore. Look, 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 look. And they are squeezing as much juice out of this as, as of, they can. As of yesterday, you, 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 you were like, no you're going to watch two episodes of this, right? Going into the show that we're doing right now, you're going to watch two episodes of this in order to get a, a, a feel of what the show is, all right? Because it's not enough to, to watch those YouTubes, those cute YouTubes, and just get a laugh out of it. No, you if you want to get a sense of what Freaks is going for, you need to sit down. Okay, fine. 
I, I watched one whole entire episode and I scrubbed the second one. <laughs> and I said to you, when I pick you up this morning, I'm going to run you over with my car. And Don LaFontaine will be doing the narrating <laughs> as I do it. There's, there really, I mean, there's no need for anyone to watch these shows. I will say this. Some of the segments are, can be engaging because there's like, you know, like I said, this like, weird mystery, this stuff weird mystery stuff. Um, like, you know, three out of five, it's like a homo, something, you know, that's, that involves <laughs> homicide, right? Which is, which is what I told you is it, why it's absolutely it, positively, it none can, of it is true. It can roll like, and feel like a, 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 a procedural, right? And you wait for, for, you know, the, 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 the pun or the, the resolve at the end, if it's fact or fiction. And then there's one where I'm like, all right, so uh, there's a lawyer. There's a lawyer who's defending um, uh, this guy who's been convicted of murdering his wife, whether that's fact or fiction or not. And as the as the jury says not guilty, he gets off scot free, and then trips over trips over his uh, um, uh, an elevator, thereby getting stabbed by a pen that he holds. <laughs> Is that fact or fiction? And I'm like, when that happened, I went. <gasps> Oh my God! <laughs> See, you doubted the power of Franks. <laughs> Is this story possible? Did three acrobats really choose to avenge their sister's death using the skills they had perfected over the years? <clears throat> if that explanation seems far-fetched to you, how do you explain the witness who claimed to see a giant? Were they experiencing mass hallucinations? Is this story of familial revenge a true one? Or is it just another one of our tall tales? This is how this show just continues on and on. And I think that there is a lot more juice. Ed, I believe that what we need to develop... There is really no more no, juice. No, 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 Ed. <laughs> we need to develop a Beyond Belief fact or fiction drinking game. I believe that there I'd should be... I'd rather hear you go on about like Robert Stack on... He what, 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 what was it that you say? He did it right. He did it right. He did it right. Because, Come with me. Because Frakes. Join because me. Because Frakes is just. Let's play a little game right now, gentlemen. Called Fact, Fact or, or crap. crap. It's because your call. It's your call. Because honestly, that's what Frakes was asking us at the end of every single episode. Now, to end this episode out, oh. um, I want us to uh, <clears throat> just, I just recommend. For fun, for laughs, like I said, I think a drinking game could be done with you and your friends at home. Uh, just All right, check, check read, it out. Oh, he's got I'm a game read called... two scenarios. Read it like, read it like Frakes. So it's going to be... You got a 50-50 shot anyway. Okay, what is it? From Factor <laughs> Crap? All right, All right from fra Factor Crap. Yeah, uh, yeah, do it like Frakes. Uh, let's not do this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to be random about it. All right, all right. All right. <sighs> Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> which is actually which is actually the attitude one has at the end of any episode of Beyond Belief Factor Fiction. That is kind of what he's saying. Do you believe this? Did this happen? Never mind, it didn't. <laughs> if you have shingles, <clears throat> sorry. <clears throat> if you have shingles down both sides of your body. You will die if the two areas meet. Fact or crap? <laughs> I'm gonna go crap. 
Correct. <laughs> You're right. You're right. Ever record a podcast episode <laughs> with your friends? So um, I, I just go out, anyone. I think that there is going to be more to this, especially because he seems to be aware of it. And um, I, we needed to talk about this because oh, it has having this moment. Guess what year this game was uh, created? Is that a fact or crap? <laughs> no, no, it's a real... 90. 2002. The year that Frank's beyond belief, died. Frakes died. Did <laughs> Jonathan Frakes die? What people don't realize, my thought balloon. <laughs> I invented that game. My brain got uploaded. Nah, yeah, it does. It it. Um, I think it's. I'm trying to figure out whether which the chicken or the egg came first. Did Peter Graves do his like? Uh, hey, Bobby, ever wa- ever see a man naked? You know, on air when he says that on an airplane. Right, which came first? Which one? Which came that, that came first, right? Yeah, obviously, yes. Okay, so uh, over the random questions, right? Uh, <clears throat> so uh, I just, uh, yeah, I just wanted we just needed to cover it because it's just such an odd effing thing, and Frakes is so dear to so many fanboys' uh, hearts, um, and I leave you with just a sampling of Jonathan Frakes on. Beyond Belief Factor Fiction. This is sort of stream of consciousness. Beyond Belief. Fact or Fiction. Hosted by Jonathan Frakes. I'm Jonathan Frakes. At your convenience. Can you remember the tallest man you've ever seen? I say eight foot, 11 and one tenth inch. If that explanation seems far-fetched to you, then how do you explain the witnesses who claim to see a giant? I'm Jonathan Frakes. Squeeze this, rub this, listen to this. I'm Jonathan Frakes. The sounds it emits are far more intense than the usual annoying squeaks. In fact, they are sounds that seem to come from the depths of hell itself. Everyone knew he was different. They were about to find out he was special. Haunted by the sounds of screams, jump shots, free throws, slam dunks. Nothing but net. Could they have imagined that too? The spirit who watches over the people of the woods. I'm Jonathan Frakes, risking life and limb on a daily basis to protect us and our property now living as a hermit by the lake only appearing at those times when he senses people need help fulfilling his wish to be a fireman destined to be an angel whose job it was to save the lives of people who would have otherwise perished so was it the costume that gave him his newfound strength yes it's fact fresh air fun in the sun and mischief after dark been known to get dressed drive a car even eat dinner. He raised two children through college without incident. He was once his son's hero, his mentor, his protector. And his son grew up to share his father's passion for adventure. Was his daughter dreaming when she saw him hit by lightning that night? Not this time. How did he suddenly develop the skills to save himself from being poisoned? Was he already dead? Was this an out-of-body experience? Anything can happen when we're gone. Your fears multiply. 
like a virus. The fact is, our true security is in the hands of fate. It's fact. From gold amulets to the decorated spears of the medicine man to a simple rabbit's foot. These life-affirming rituals are important because they give us hope for the future. And perhaps most magical of all, I'm Jonathan Frakes. The horse with psychic powers. Yes, the man knew you by name. But he has a behavior pattern that has left society no choice but to put his body behind bars. Something is stirring inside him. His spirit is telling him that it's time to move on. I'm Jonathan Frakes. Join us for more stories on Beyond Belief, Fact or Fiction.